0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 Podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I am your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson ish. Do we want to tell them my screw up?
1: <laughs> I'll, uh, tell it, I'll tell yes, it. I'll go tell for it, it. Go for it.
0: <laughs> We had the best podcasts ever recorded in the history of mankind. Uh, With Justin Carter on there, the the wonderful Justin, and talking about women's basketball. Oh, man, it was great. And we get to the end, and I look up, and I see the little record button. And I'm like, my heart just drops. I'm like, ish, I didn't record it.
1: oh, oh literally God. right after you sign off you're like well you know boom we're out of here and i was like awesome that's great i saw because i saw the timer the uh yeah. the clock going down for for the zoom and so i was like oh man we got it in it said like just under a minute and then i just see like your hands go up to your head just Oh.
0: Like, <laughs> I, uh, I just so so here we are again about five yeah. hours later yep yep, yep. Uh, gonna do it again unfortunately justin couldn't join us this time around um we have, he'll have something up on the site of uh, texasbasketball.com. So be sure to check that out. We'll be referencing him uh, because he is the most knowledgeable women's uh, writer. Uh, between us definitely so um shout out to Justin
1: yeah it was just it was just funny where it was like well guess we got to try that again and uh yeah mostly unfortunate for Justin because obviously you know he 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 was great and he was great with his time as usual and yeah we just basically had to say well we had fun just kind of freelance talking with you I guess
0: yes yes so um but I mean anyone who's recorded anything has had those type of technical difficulties I've I've, um Multiple times before, whether it's like a mic's messed up or something like that happens, but um, right, where you're like
1: recording through like the computer instead of your mic or something, yeah, yeah. I have to
0: make sure this little red dots on the front actually let me make,
1: yeah, okay, yep, got sure. Made sure mine was good too. We we will
0: not be recording this third time if we do it a third time, it might just be like a five minute, yeah, you know, it's just you running
1: this, like you doing a radio hit where it's like, oh, text, am lost to Arizona, (laughs) and like, and that's it, just (laughs) 10 seconds.
0: yep basically well anyways uh this is gonna be really fun podcast if you haven't checked out the men's podcast go go ahead and check that out that was fun as well um and this women's podcast had some of the great the best games i've seen in this in in either tournament really yeah um so we have baylor texas texas and rice to get to obviously um trying to think if i plug anything uh follow us on twitter at dct basketball uh subscribe on apple leave us a five-star rating and review and let's get right into it, ish. Because let's start with Baylor, who played an amazing game before the Connecticut game. Uh, they played Michigan on Saturday, ended up winning seventy to seventy-five in overtime in a game where I watched the second half and overtime only, so I didn't get the the first half experience where they were up. I watched mm-hmm. Michigan come back and um, shoot pretty well from three. I saw Michigan and. Baylor kind of had to hold them off with a, an amazing Melissa Smith game where she went 11 for 11 with 24 points. Uh, she played 44 minutes. Or Erson, Moon Erson played 45 minutes. Dee Richards played 45 minutes. Um, it was an impressive effort from Baylor to hold them off, and I'm thankful that they did because yeah. um, that would have been disappointing. But they, they pulled it out, and I was I was happy with that win.
1: Yeah, I think this was a lot of – it was a lot of Baylor relying on, like you mentioned, their their veterans, right, where it was like, hey, just you're the ones that are going to get a, get us out of this mess. It also showed a little bit of their limitations um, offensively, you know, when they didn't – they obviously don't shoot the three um, very much. And this was a game where, you know, D.J. Carrington was trying to get something going from outside. Moon Erson went one for three. But it was mostly like, you know, when they didn't have those options, right, it was Melissa Smith. And it was like, hey – Keep getting into Melissa Smith. Um, Moonerson started to get inside a little more. Um, Dejanet Carrington, who had a, you know, we'll talk about her more, her, uh, more of her in a bit. She's been having, she had a great tournament. Um, But yeah, this was them going to their go-to players and saying, hey, you get us out of this jam because that was a really good game from Michigan. Like it wasn't. If they would have lost, obviously it would have been a letdown. But it wasn't like a them playing down to their competition. This was just a really good. Like they shot the three well. They were able to score decently. Like you know, uh, especially in that, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, You know, in the first quarter, I want to say they had them to under thirty five or about thirty five percent from the floor. In that fourth quarter, they just shot basically sixty percent from the floor. Um, They started to hit from three, and yeah, it was uh, it was kind of one of those games where. I think they caught Baylor a little bit sleepwalking late in the game. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden you blinked and it was, oh, here we go. Like we're back, we're gonna overtime. So yep. um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a great game. Like I, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna take anything away from Michigan and you know, luckily Baylor was able to pull it out.
0: Yep, for sure. And then Baylor advanced to the Elite Eight to play the best game I've seen in either tournament of this March. Uh, they played Yukon and uh they end up losing sixty-nine to sixty-seven, but that is that does that doesn't do this game justice. The amount of uh, momentum shifts, the amount of runs, the amount of just spectacular plays, hustle mm-hmm. plays. Um, I just thought right off rip when UConn took that early lead. I thought Baylor was in a lot of trouble because Paige Beckers comes out, hits that tough sh- fading shot from the mid range to start the game on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I turned. I, I watched, shot too. I, I was watching with my dad. I was like, well, this game's over. <laughs> If, if Paige it Beckers is like She's right? going to come out and just hit everything she looks at, and then the game's over. But no, yeah. but then, lo and behold, D.D. Richards, who you have spoke about many a time on this podcast, uh, D.D. Richards showed why she is the best defender in this country, and she locked up Paige Beckers really well in her time um, and kind of just moving forward throughout the game. It was a lot of D.J. Carrington. It was a lot of uh, a good amount of Melissa Smith. Mm-hmm. But it was really Baylor's defense that held Yukon under wraps. I believe they had a 10-point lead before UConn went on that 19-0 run uh to take the lead in the uh was that the th- mid-fourth quarter? Is that when the yeah. run stopped somewhere around there? Yeah. Somewhere and and there. Baylor had to will themselves back into it behind. I think DJ Nakarin had a couple buckets. Um Moonerson, I think maybe had one or so. Um, and they bring it all the way back pretty much and have it shot at the end to tie it to send it to overtime and they can't get it to Melissa Smith. And uh, then Carrington has to take a tough shot. And it's a lot of people say she was fouled, but um, that was a very physical game in a lot of ways. And I do believe she was fouled, but it was, it was a very tough game and it's obviously not the look they were going for. So that was kind of the generals of that game. But I don't know if you want to, you want to highlight DG and just what she was able to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there was no, it's not a surprise that, you know, when she was in the game, you know, Paige Beckers wasn't, you know, she wasn't necessarily shut down, but like she was slowed down, right? She really struggled with somebody of that length and athleticism, being able to somewhat keep up with her. And, you know, she leaves the game. And of course, Paige Beckers goes off. Um, they have to put Dijanae Carrington on her, who's a decent defender, but she's not DD Richards. And so, you know, when you move uh, Dijanae Carrington over to Paige Beckers, You know, that obviously, I don't want to say creates a mismatch, but it's a more favorable matchup for UConn. And then, of course, that moves uh, a lesser defender over to Kristen Williams. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because Carrington was on Williams and she was doing a decent job. And so when you have to move um, Carrington off of Williams, then Williams is able to go off. And, you know, both of them are able to just take over. Um, I think Justin mentioned that this was the first game that uh, Paige didn't have an assist in college. And, like, that just shows that, one, she was able to just get what she wanted when D.D. Richards was off the floor, but also that D.D. Richards kind of slowed her down a little bit from in terms of playmaking. Baylor was kind of okay with her, you know, putting up that many shots if it meant that she wasn't getting her teammates involved. And, you know, towards the end, it was definitely Kristen Williams getting her shot off. It was Avina Westbrook getting her shot. And, yeah, uh, credit to Baylor for even getting back, because when I thought they were up 10, I thought it was done, because, like, Who's Baylor gonna go to without, you know, it's not necessarily who they're gonna go to, but who are they gonna how are they gonna stop Yukon on the other end yeah. without Diddy Richards? And they were able to do that. They were able yeah. to get those key shots, uh, get those key stops as well. And Sarah Andrews gave him some good minutes um off the bench. She get, you know, she's still a freshman in a in a against a very insane Yukon team. So it was asking a lot of her, but still they were able to get some get some good uh looks down the end and make it a game. And I don't know. Unfortunately somehow Melissa Smith doesn't touch the ball the entire, like last minute and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, That was one thing that really stood out to me was I was looking at the shot chart and it was about, I think her last field goal was a minute 16 roughly. Mm -hmm. And in basketball, that's basically 20 minutes without touching the ball. And I just don't know how many times you can go down needing a bucket how you can go down and not give it to the player who literally didn't miss the game before um she's your best player especially with Didi Richards off um i understand the last field goal she took i think it was a block i want to say it was a it was like a she yeah. kind of got uh, turned and like you know mm-hmm. kind of threw, kind of played for a foul um so i get it you know it wasn't exactly the best shot she took the last time but especially in the last the, the last possession diana carrington played great but that was a tough look for her She, you know, they set a high screen for her. I think Queen Egbo did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Smith was fronted. So it was a hard pass, but I think you have to, I think you may have to like try to get that pass to her. And then when Carrington gets around the screen, she's basically running into two or three people. And again, it was a foul. Sure. You know, that's something that's going to be, you know, it's a, it's a sticking point, but you know, in the end they also didn't get the ball to their best player. So yeah. um, Yeah.
0: D.G. Richards left the game uh, about that was like right at the end of the third quarter, I want to say. Yeah, around there. And she she didn't come out before that. So she ended up playing 30 minutes uh, in the game and she played 45 minutes the game before. It was definitely a lot of attrition on the bodies of these Baylor uh, girls that's playing so many minutes. And at this point, in men's and women's, the benches are really not utilized very much. I mean, Baylor's men's are probably the only team that still go eight deep at that point. Like yeah. So it's not unusual for these girls to play or anyone to be playing this many minutes, but it was really unfortunate because right as she goes down, they go on the run and she tried coming back. They taped the hell out of her hamstring and, and dies, whatever uh, it was. And yeah, she it was like, move. yeah, it was like, there's no way she can come back to this and she tried and I really respect her for that, but it was just really tough. So um, yeah. shout out to her. But we did talk about um, you, you, you bring up, how they brought put D.J. Carrington on Paige Beckers towards the <clears> end. <throat> and while she wasn't able to do the job D.D. Richards did, it was, it was just like, I think the job D.D. Richards did off ball is <clears> – <throat> Almost just as good as she did on ball, if not better, because sure. the way she was able to deny Paige Becker's, the way she was able to be physical with her, um Paige Becker's puts up 28 points on 10-22 shooting, which yeah. like on paper is just like amazing. But if you watch <laughs> that game, it's like. This girl is not comfortable, right? And She's it was working like, for those shots. Exactly. And D.D. Richards really forced her to work for her catches, work for, made her work to get her to her spots. And while D.J. Carrington's really good, she wasn't able to do that in the same way. It kind of had to be on ball with her long arms, kind of trying to affect it, but Paige was able to get a step on her. And also the transition game opened up a little bit. I don't know mm-hmm. if that is directly correlated maybe UConn just got a little more confidence. So maybe they thought, all right, now we can go so but they hit a couple of transition threes they hit a couple of transition buckets uh uconn and that, those are the ones UConn use or uh, baylor doesn't give up usually yeah and that's what they make you work for so that was another interesting aspect of his. and i i left early in the game i brought this up uh, last time but Paige record goes to the rim i think it was like early second quarter or something and she just gets hammered by i think it was carrington and uh who was the other big i don't remember it wasn't queen i don't remember but two girls just go up there and just hacker yeah and i'm just like oh yeah this is a team that has senior 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 junior retro junior basically in mm. they're starting five against two freshmen they took it for for a freshman free. yeah yeah and i loved it and they really played great and that's what made it uh just a really tough loss uh for them just because I, I they played so well they played so hard and th- it, they look they deserved to win it but it was a game where you know you're going up against stars, superstars. Paige Beckers is a superstar at this point in the women's game, and so yeah. um just couldn't get it to fall. But I had all credit to Baylor. What a what a f- amazing game! Just oh, it was
1: great. I mean, you mentioned uh, a little bit of the just kind of how aesthetically pleasing it was, especially that yes. first quarter. Like I think Baylor shot forty five percent, UConn shot fifty seven percent, but it was still only 26-24. But it was still like Up, down, up, down, like back Mm -hmm. and forth. Beckers was feeling it early. Like Baylor was trying. You can tell D.D. Richards was kind of starting to feel her out on defense. Mm -hmm. And they were were just like – it was like two fighters just sizing each other up, right? Where it was like bucket, 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 bucket. Okay, we're going to see how this game kind of goes out. And second second quarter, it started to shift to Baylor, right? Where yeah. it was like UConn, I think, shot 30% in the second quarter because D.J. Carrington has a little bit more size on Kristen Williams. So she was able to defend her better. D.D. Richards was like, okay, I'm starting to understand what Paige Beckers is trying to do here. And so first quarter was just two great teams going at it, like back and forth, no time. You mentioned uh, no timeouts. No, like that Nothing. was so great. because I like, It was
0: literally going from like the 10-minute mark to like the 4-minute mark, you know, because yeah. I'm – we're used to the men's game where it's like every four minutes, stop, 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 right. stop. And oh, we got a rebound. Timeout. I got to set up a half court. set. Yeah, Let me and just... that doesn't even include the coach's timeouts where they're yeah. like, so it's like every two minutes almost. This was beautifully, uh and it goes into what I said earlier where there weren't a lot of fouls called either in the first half especially. So the flow mm-hmm. of the game was just there, there, and it's like, okay, we didn't call it, but, you know, we're just – playing basketball at this point it wasn't anything egregious um Mm -hmm. in the second half they started calling a little bit more but yeah the flow of the game was just tremendous and it was i i really think it was the most aesthetically pleasing game i've seen this march like it was i I think so too great after that game i was like
1: yeah after this game i'll after the first quarter i was like I need a break. Like that was because it was so much fun. It was, it lived up to the hype too. Cause I mean, this is like, you know, technically still reigning champions versus the new, uh, UConn, new, UConn's new class trying to come in and reassert their dominance. Um, I'm looking at some of the numbers right now. Yeah. Like, God, Baylor, Baylor outscored them in the with bench points 26 to 2. UConn did not touch their bench. And Baylor, you know, even they still really didn't touch their bench. It was mostly DJ Carrington. Um, and I, you could tell that, you know, Hannah Guster's problem uh, with when Melissa when Smith's playing as well as she is in uh, Queen Egbo, you don't really take them out. Um, Hannah, Hannah Gusters, I feel kind of got lost in the rotation towards the end of the year. Um, Sarah Andrews was here there a little bit. Um, I think that's the big difference between this Baylor team and the one that won the title or even last year. That the one that won the title, you know, it had the D.D. Dee Dee Richards, it had the Nelissa Smith's coming into their own. Right. Or it was like, here's some underclassmen helping out these the Kalani Browns, the Chloe Jacksons, right? Those, those veterans. Um, it was kind of a balance this year. It was really just a veteran team with some underclassmen kind of peppered in here and there. But I wonder if, and I think Sarah Andrews is going to be fine. I think Hannah Guster is going to be fine. Sure. Um, but I do wonder, I think they had a, somebody tra- announced a transfer. I want to say Jordan Oliver announced a transfer today, but um they're, they're gonna be fine but I would I do wonder if there was like maybe a little bit more anticipated uh youth help this year than they actually got especially towards the end of the season because yeah I want to say Hannah Custers I'm looking at it now like she was playing you know 15 15 19 21 19 uh, early in the year and it just kind of slowly started to tail off towards the end so yeah I think in the tournament she had 14 five and zero. So she didn't she didn't touch Thor against UConn. Yeah, there was a lot of
0: there was definitely a lot of pressure on these uh, the upperclassmen with this mm-hmm. Baylor team. But um, I again, it's, it's kind of like this team knew what they needed to do. They played it really sure. well. And I was uh, impressed with that aspect of it. Um, another reason we talked about this before. Another reason why it hurts so much is because this is this UConn team is not going to be getting any worse. This this team, UConn team is going to be here for the foreseeable future. The class they're bringing in as well, not just mm. Beckers and uh, Aliyah Edwards as freshmen. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be dangerous.
1: It basically was like. Gino Oriama didn't win a national title for like four years. And he's like, that's too long. And like, decided to like, just recruit the hell out of the country again. I'm trying to think. He, he was like, 15. he was like, this is
0: how y'all live. Like, <laughs>
1: <Right here>. <laughs> what <laughs> Smells like broke over here. What is this? <laughs> like, he's like, I can't be living like this. Oh, so he's going to go, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to nuke the country with these recruits. And just because I mean, you know, Paige Beckers is here for at least two more years. Yeah um and that's if they don't win the title this year right that's which yeah. is definitely a possibility yes. um and yeah like you look at it I'm looking back right now so 25 god that's weird 2015-16 was their last title which is god, a long time crazy. You, and they only <laughs> quote-unquote only made the final four the past three years and so not including last year of course but um so three years after that they only went to the final four and had like a combined five losses so like it's like oh that's not happening anymore <laughs> so yeah they're just gonna go in recruit the country have this star player who's gonna be the number one pick in three years and yeah, that's, it's not fun. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. So we, we'll have to see how Baylor reloads. Um, mm-hmm. I know Justin uh, has mentioned it before and has written about it and stuff, but um, we'll, I'm interested to see how they reload if what they're able to do. If we, well, you know, with the eligibility things, you know, players are going to be able to come rules uh, or eligibility rules, rather. Players mm-hmm. are going to be able to come back. Maybe if they want to, if they're seniors or whatnot, or, I mean, I'm assuming Melissa Smith's going to the WNBA. Sure. Um I don't D.D. know. Richards is, I'm
1: pretty sure D.D. Richards had like a send-off um in the yeah. final home game. So I think, you know, I'm pretty sure she's done. For sure. Um yeah, it will it, be interesting to see who comes back. Um and it'll be interesting to see who you know, I think they're going to obviously dip in the transfer market um, where they're going to see who's, you know, who uh, there's obviously going to be some attrition from all over the country of, you know, players leaving, seniors leaving, moving Definitely. on, just different scenarios. And um Kim Mulkey's never been shy to to, to get a player, get a veteran player like a Taya Tia Cooper or a Chloe Jackson um, to give them one or two good years. And yeah, I think they have. The number 13 recruit coming in Maryam dada i think that's how you pronounce her name out of arkansas so uh that'll she'll be a post player six four post out of arkansas so there's their kind of incoming uh uh star forward yeah. so you know well hopefully she comes in and her hannah gusters in some capacity can uh can really uh provide some um a boost for them
0: yeah uh, great season for baylor overall 28 and three obviously i mean we don't need it lament how just consistent they are just every single year with what they do. And even sure. with the COVID pause they had in the middle, I think they missed like three weeks from December. Uh, they missed two weeks there, December 19th to January 2nd. Mm-hmm. I think that was the big one. I'm trying to make sure there was another one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was that was the one. Um,
1: that was the, U- the, U- the first UConn game, right? That was scheduled?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that was it. And so they played one game basically from December 19th to January 16th. So, um, so yeah, that is it was a tough year, weird year, but they still showed time and time again how talented they were. I mean, they beat Texas twice. They, yeah. they had a really good year. So, um interested to see what they do moving forward. But that was a great game, and we had to had to highlight that. Oh, yeah. so, all right, let's go to Texas, who played another just tremendous game uh, in the Sweet 16. Played Maryland, a team that we all said on the last podcast me Ish uh, Justin we're all like they're going to have to score with maryland because there nobody has been able to slow maryland down maryland comes in averaging 92 points a game 99 in the tournament mm. and texas somehow some way held maryland to a season low 61 points and defeats the ter- the lady terrapins 64 to 61 I mean, on the back of four players in double figures, Charlie Collier, 16, Celeste uh, Taylor, uh, Celeste Taylor uh, 15. I mean, you go down the list, Kyra Lambert, I thought had a really good game at, with 10 points, mm-hmm. and she really played good defense. Audrey Warren missed mm-hmm. uh, the final what, quarter of the game, roughly. Mm-hmm. Team effort, defensive effort. They held Maryland to, what were they held shooting? 24 of 60 shooting which isn't even, like, awful, but it's awful right. for their standard. 40% for, for a Maryland team that averages, I think, 44% from the field, I think that was, mm-hmm. and twenty and 5-22 of 22 from 3 for Maryland. Yeah. Uh, another thing is 8-10 from, from free throw line for Maryland. So they kept them off the free throw line with, the, I mean, the talent that Maryland has with Diamond Miller and Ashley Wusu. Those two, I was waiting for those two to just kind of get going, and Texas just continued to, to stay in front of them, really. That was the big yeah. thing. They didn't let them get downhill. And they made them shoot some tough threes and they missed them. So, wow. I'm just, I'm still in shock that they were able to beat Maryland. I, the whole time I was just waiting for Maryland, they didn't, and Maryland never put on that comeback. So, I mean, what would you yeah. say? Yeah.
1: It, it was, this this was similar to uh, the feeling you had in the, um, the Baylor game, where it was like, "Oh, okay, here's where they kind of, you know, here's where Maryland, you know, puts the game away, right?" Yeah. Where you kind of waiting for that moment, and I thought, honestly, I had that, I had that feeling um, similar to when you were watching the UConn game. Actually, when you saw Page hit that, you're like, "Oh, there's that," yeah. and I had that when Maryland went up nine nothing because they went up nine yeah. nothing real quick. Uh, I think it was uh, I can't remember if it was Celeste Taylor or Kyra Lambert who had just her just shot rejected at the rim when it was like seven nothing or five nothing and then like Ashley Owusu took it down and just like had like a clear lane layup and I was like oh god this is gonna be this is gonna be bad and yeah like I don't know I didn't (laughs) I didn't expect this at all Ashley Owusu did not get going um she was definitely frustrated by Celeste Taylor there was a a moment in the third quarter where she like like lowered her shoulder a little bit trying to get in the lane because she was like really visibly frustrated or i was like she i can't bully this girl and like you know basically had a a, uh uh, celeste taylor drew a drop charge on her it was like it was like oh she's pissed like she she realizes that she can't get around celeste taylor and yeah she did not have a good game i want to say let me see she finished with 10 points like yeah. ashley Owusu was their leading score like yep. so ha- having 10 points and she had i want to say three fouls so she sat a little bit too mm-hmm. um she definitely had to uh, uh i don't say defer to diamond miller because it's kind of a 1a 1b with them but yeah. um she definitely it was definitely a diamond miller having to do a lot more because they weren't getting anything from ashley Owusu. um yeah. and uh charlie collier had a good game didn't have a great game again didn't need to have a great game uh, she controlled the boards with Celeste Taylor. Celeste Taylor was probably their best player again, just like the, the game before. Um, yeah, that was, oh God, I could not believe it because there were, there were those moments where Diamond Miller thought she, I thought Diamond Miller was getting going. And it was like, okay, here's where the stud athlete kind of overpowers the, the young scrappy Texas team and just kind of wheels her team to victory. And they had a response for everything. Like you mentioned Kyra Lambert had a response for everything. Audrey Warren um, even though she left the game she played really well defensively gave them some great hustle minutes and yeah they were just it was just a Texas team that kept getting open looks kept getting inside kept winding the shot clock down um, which is you know what Vic Schaefer just loves to do yep and yeah it just wasn't uh it, for some reason like I don't know how but they got Maryland playing their game where it was like a slowed down paced game and it, for some reason Maryland got sucked into that vortex of just like a grind it out and Texas was like cool or we're, we're here so
0: yeah i like you said slowing maryland down that way like a, a lot of teams want to do it but the way texas was able to do it is mm-hmm. absurd i mean yeah. i'm i'm trying to i mean maryland basically only played a big 10 schedule this year they played like five non conference no four non conference games basically mm-hmm. um, but in these conference games it's literally 104 85, 83, 88, 88. So it's like for, and so I asked y'all on the the last great podcast we did with um you, you and um, Justin about yeah. how Texas was able to, what changed for Texas. And the biggest thing was Justin said was their defense, like in the regular season, they were a fine defensive team, but they weren't like this. Sure. Like they weren't able to hold Maryland to six one or anyone really. I mean, even UCLA, the way they played them. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to chalk it up to Vic Schaefer, just the the way he was able to get this team to buy in on the defense side of the ball and understand that we don't have the horses here to outscore these teams like that. We can create sure. offense from our defense. And that's kind of what they did in a lot of instances was uh, like Kyra Lambert. She was able to create her offense from her defense, Les Taylor in a lot of ways, Joan, uh, Joan and jo- jo- Joanne Allen Taylor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are just scrappy players that knew what they had to do to get the win and bought in. And that's a real credit to Vic Schaefer, I think. I mean, because the discipline that they had time after mm-hmm. time to not turn the ball over that much, uh, get the shot they wanted, that that is not something that's easy against this t- Maryland team. Like, when this, right. th- when this Maryland team started pressing – or not pressing, but whenever they started getting some momentum, te- mm-hmm. Texas didn't fold. Right. And I really – questioned if they would fold in not. like the whole time i was like okay like this texas team is good but they're not like this world beating they're not like yukon and baylor over here that have been in these situations before or that are supremely talented but time after time they just wore them down and i it's, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable because man diamond miller Ashley wusu i was so impressed with so impressed with just their handle the ball the control they had of the game it never felt like they were rushed but they couldn't quite and diamond miller had a really good game obviously but sure it didn't feel like they were able to dominate the game the way that they they have in in the past so
1: definitely i think um i think uh yeah this is my first time like watching a full game of of maryland and watching ashley Owusu. like i mean she's a force right she like she can handle the ball so well she's very explosive but she's obviously so physically imposing with her size I, like i was impressed with celeste taylor's ability just to like keep that in check and like you know use that aggressiveness against her to where it was like you know she was drawing offensive fouls she was you know uh getting her a little bit more out, a little bit out of her depth and yeah it was just a lot of a lot of a lot of impressive defensive game planning and i think you brought this up a little bit um before was you know, maybe the strength of schedule, right, where it's like, you know, I think Maryland obviously is a good team, and, you know, playing in the Big Ten, you know, obviously the Big Ten is not that great, but, you know, the advanced metrics still measure them out as a really, really, you know, one of the top three teams in the country, Um, but Texas playing in the Big 12, it does help, right, like, they are seeing Baylor, West Virginia, uh, you know, uh, to Texas Tech, right? They're seeing yeah. these decent teams. Iowa State, they're seeing good teams week in, week out, and they're having to really, you know, bring their best. And aside from Baylor and one game against Oklahoma State, this Texas team and one game against West Virginia, so three games, they didn't get blown out, right? This mm-hmm. wasn't a team that was getting its butt kicked against good teams. They were really holding... And against the Baylor was the only team that really consistently gave them just like trouble where they just looked overmatched. Yeah. Every other game, they were there and right there. And so we talked about their inconsistency and like, you know, how this, this run obviously wasn't expected, but this is always a team that flashed stuff here and there. And we just, the only thing we didn't expect was them to put it together in the tournament, but the seeds were planted that there was a competent team in there to be able to do something like this. And yeah, you mentioned it with Vic Schaefer, just an incredible coaching job by him, just breaking things down, basically saying, Hey, look, here's my defense. We're not going to complicate things. We're just going to try to get these teams to play our game. If they don't. Oh, well, like, you know, yeah. we'll talk We'll mention the South Carolina game in a little bit. If it doesn't go our way, doesn't go our way. Oh, well, but I mean, a lead eight run after what we saw at Times this year, like if you would have told me, you know, the same team that lost to Bay almost got doubled up by Baylor in February was going to make it to Elite Eight, like I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have believed you.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no reason to have believed me at that point. I mean, <laughs> they ended the season 21 and 10 overall, 11 and 7 in conference play. Uh, they lost to AM early in the season as well. Mm-hmm. It's damn they played Baylor three times I mean yeah they were they were definitely tested coming into this and I think I said after the UCLA win I was like at this point and again that UCLA team was almost a two seed they were the number nine seed, number Mm -hmm. nine overall seed. so yeah that's a big win right there I said anything else is icing and boy did they get a lot of icing because that Maryland (laughs) win is another huge feather in the cap of Vic Schaefer so yeah um Huge win there. Uh, they go play South Carolina. They end up losing 62 to 34, don't score in the fourth quarter. And in a loss that I want to say is not as bad as the scoreboard shows, but to not score in the fourth quarter kind of makes it worse than what. Sure. Right. Like you, can, so you can't really say that at that point. But I mean, there sure. were definitely times where Texas went on those runs, showed the defensive intensity that they needed to, um and got generated some easy offense, but it wasn't consistent enough. And South Carolina just felt like the worst matchup for them basically like oh, yeah. the size the South Carolina has the intensity the just it, it was it was a different animal Jeff.
1: yeah it was basically like oh you have Charlie Collier cool, me to Boston right it was like here's somebody who can body you up in the paint and she didn't but Leah Boston didn't play great but it was just somebody to be able to to have yeah. that size comparison with them um and they had Ziya Cook and just like yeah this is the South Carolina team was probably the best team last season Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a big chip on their shoulder to really prove, you know, obviously they didn't get to play last year. And so they're, they're like losing to one of the three best teams in the country, two years running, especially this one that's motivated to really show what they can do. Um, It's not, I don't know. It's not a, it's, it's not a bad way to go out just because, you know, it it was like you mentioned, it was a bad matchup, really bad matchup. Um, What I'm curious here though is, you know, Texas, for the future right obviously there should be a lot of excitement uh for for the program under Vic schaefer heading into year two you have kendall hunter and rory Harmon coming in right you have a backcourt um i'm trying to think there was another recruit that i mentioned that i could not um that i'm forgetting the name of but so you have i'm trying to think of players that really obviously charlie collier is gone probably gone uh kyra lambert's probably the only one else that's gone yes so you're bringing back a lot of good backcourt depth, right? You bring about Audrey Warren, Joanne Allen Taylor, uh, Celeste Taylor, uh, uh, Laura Nebo is coming back as well in the post. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And then Shay Holly's going to be coming into her own as well. Then you got, of course, the backcourt duo from Psy Creek. Uh, they also have, their, uh, there There you go, Aliyah Moore um, from uh, Oklahoma, uh, high, uh, Moore High School in Oklahoma. You know, This is I'm I'm really interested in what Texas has because that backcourt rotation is gonna be really fascinating next year because they're gonna be deep, right? Yes. They might not. Obviously, we expect the 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 two side creek girls to come in and play a a factor, but you still have, of course, Joanne Allen Taylor and Celeste Taylor probably locking down those two guard spots early on, at least. But I mean, are they gonna be? They're gonna be roughly five deep at that guard rotation spot, right? And. Okay, now you're adding some more scoring to that defense, right? If you can keep that defensive intensity. If if Lauren Ebo can – you know, she's not going to be the overall athlete that Charlie Collier is, but if she can give you that defensive presence, right? Mm-hmm. If you can find some uh, – maybe another post presence on the transfer wire uh, transfer uh, market as well because um, that's always something with, with, you know, these high-level teams, especially somebody like Vic Shaver who can pull in people yeah. um, due to his stature. Okay, then you're looking at something – you know, you're looking at some expectations next year, potentially, and I think it's okay to have those expectations now, because you saw this team, Vic Schaefer with not really, quote-unquote, his team yet, take him to the Elite Eight, and so I think you should see them, especially with Baylor closing the, uh, kind of in a rebuild, Mm -hmm. you know, potentially closing that gap a little bit more next year, you know, if they, they shouldn't be losing by 30 next year, right? They should be definitely being, I don't want to say winning, but within striking distance of that team, and so I'm really – Texas is going to be really fascinating
0: next year. Yes. Yeah, they could – anywhere between one to four, I think, is uh, in the Big 12. I, we have to see how they kind of play out. But Iowa State, obviously, sure. is a good team. West Virginia, Baylor. Um, there's a lot of good Texas Tech as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. We're going to see how they do, how Vic Schaefer does in the second year. Um, obviously, like you said, expectations are going to be high at that point. And, you know, they're going to continue to increase because – this, that's what they paid him that's what they brought him over there to do and yeah i think that's a really good start so i'm interested to see how he does uh moving good forward. return on investment
1: so far <laughs>
0: yep all right let's go to texas a&m who obviously uh, did not make the elite eight but still kept a really good season off um falling short to arizona i'm pulling up the game right now 74 to 59 and it's an Arizona team that ended up making the final four. I've watched part of their game against Indiana and I was very impressed with that one. I wasn't able to watch this game uh, because I was driving from Dallas to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Ari McDonald goes for 31, 12, 21 shooting six, 12 from three. Uh, Justin kind of just highlighted her consistently in, <laughs> in the last pocket just saying like, yeah, it was kind of over at that point. And you know, Jordan Nixon only ended up with three. It was kind of, that's another thing Jordan said is it was that, moment where and it was just like looking around like all right who do we go to at this point and mm-hmm. didn't really have that that answer so uh jordan nixon you, we hoped would be the answer but it's tough to consistently expect that um that type of production which i asked y'all last podcast i was like do they need yeah. her to average 20 basically and you all were like yeah kind of like you're like if if she doesn't they need somebody sure. right they need somebody to step up so that that yeah. was kind of my takeaway from from that game
1: Yeah. No, it was was basically, you got it right. Like Ari McDonald. I mean, there's only so much you can do when a star player is doing star player things. And that was basically it. She was hitting everything felt like. Um, And yeah, it's, it was tough because, you know, Jordan Nixon had the buzzer beater and she had the fantastic game. Yeah. The game before but like you know she is a player who's just averaging 10 right and yeah. so she's a sophomore who ha- obviously probably put a lot of pressure on herself and generated a lot of hype after that game but you know it, it's one thing to go from like you know kind of an emerging breakout game to going one one v one with mcdonald and you know that unfortunately that's what happened right it became a numbers game because and was getting shots inside, right? It became, you know, they were uh, India Jones, Kayla Wells. They were getting looks that they liked inside, but Anum shot forty goal- seven.
0: 47- yeah, A&M shot forty seven percent from the field.
1: Yeah, and so you know, whenever whenever you whenever you shoot that, like you would obviously take that, but. When Aryan McDonald's going six to ten, Sam Thomas is going three of six from three, uh, Kate Reese is going two of four. Like, I think I think Arizona shot 13 to 29 from three. Like it just becomes a numbers game at that point. And you know, AM did not have the shooting this year to match that. And if you don't have the overall team shooting, you need that go-to player. And they didn't have that. So it, it was a rough matchup. Um, I think that. I don't want to say like it was. Uh, it confirmed a lot of our doubts, but we knew how this NM team, the weaknesses of this NM team, right? It was the fact that they were never that dominant, and it was the fact that they didn't have that player. And I, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm not disappointed in this loss because of the fact that one Arizona is really good, and you mentioned yes. they made the final four, right? And so, okay, you go out to a really good team with one of the best players in the country um, on a hot streak, and you know, you basically play your game, right? Like they, they played their game. They didn't play poorly. They didn't defend poorly either. Like it wasn't bad defense against Ari McDonald um, or anything like that. It was just an unfortunate night against a hot player. And yeah. you know, that happens. So, yeah. yeah,
0: the, uh the interesting thing for me is they were outscored from three in the Iowa state game. Remember mm-hmm. Iowa state went 16 to 30 from three and right, right. A&M didn't shoot the three there, but the difference there was Iowa state, had 24 turnovers Texas A&M mm-hmm. turned them over and they were really opportunistic in that respect Arizona only had eight turnovers and yeah. A&M had 19 so mm-hmm. it's at that point then it's like all right is making shots but now they're having to force the ball way more than uh, Arizona is Arizona presumably is able to get the ball to McDonald's McDonald and not have to they can they can simplify things in a lot of ways Mm. so that's what what what, I mean to speak to what you said with when you have that one player that can go out and do what Ari McDonald did it makes the game easier it limits turnovers we see that all the time and um yeah it's it's hard to beat that type of shooting and I asked you and Justin if I if there was any chance Gabe Blair could would embrace the three a little bit more or if he, if it was personnel or anything like that,
1: mm-hmm. limiting
0: him. And y'all are both like, no, it, it's kind of what Gabe Blair is in, in a respect. Yeah. And obviously he's a great coach. I've sure. never say anything otherwise, but um, it is tough. You have to be really persistent. You have to be consistent. You have to be, you have to have a very specific talent uh, set mm-hmm. to be, be winning games going. They went two of eight from three against Arizona. Like yeah, it, it is it is a tough age of basketball to go two of eight, and there are teams that can do it. I mean Baylor is a great example. Baylor's an excellent team without shooting the three, even mm-hmm. though they shoot the three more than A and M does. But um, no, it's it's Baylor has those level of t- players that can take over, and A and M just doesn't right. have that. So I right. think just under the stat that they were in the bottom. What was it? Four percent of the country the last five years six years um right in three-point three, three attempt rate or something like that so yeah um that's an interesting ask, that's an interesting thing to look at i feel like for a just moving yep.
1: forward yeah no 100 um this it, it's it's going to be somewhat of a rebuild um like we you know we mentioned the uncertainty with the um obviously with the extra year yeah. but you know you have to imagine india jones is probably going to leave um there's a chance that sierra johnson could also leave um and like you know I'm looking at it right now. Aaliyah Wilson's one. a senior
0: too.
1: Aaliyah Wilson's a senior, yeah, too. So there's that. Um, I'm looking at a one, two, three, three of their, three of players over six feet. I'm mentioning their height because you know one of them's Kayla Wells, who's a guard, but uh, three of their biggest players, when it comes to their inside game and their their rebounding, are seniors, right? So how do you replace Kayla Wells? How do you replace India Jones? How do you replace Sierra Johnson? Obviously, you mentioned Aaliyah Wilson. I mean. You know uh destiny pitts as well, she's a senior. This is somewhat of a rebuild. Obviously, you probably look to look to Jordan Nixon as that player to build around uh going forward. Um, Alexis Morris as well as somebody you can probably build around as well. But you know, they have uh I think they have Jada Malone coming in from the yep. village uh down in San uh Houston. So there's their there's kind of their big marquee prospect. Um I expect Gary Blair to, to get in the transfer market and get somebody. Um, Cause that's what he's done the past couple of years, obviously with Sierra Johnson, with a Leo Wilson, destiny Pitts, he brings in those players um, and has them contribute early. So we'll see what kind of players he's able to pull in that way. But you know, it is going to be a new look AM and next year. A lot of players that we're used to seeing are going to be presumably are going to be gone. So you know, it's going to be the Jordan Nixon, Alexis Morris show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, it's, it's a little weird, like, you know, kind of looking across the state, like is who's the consistent, t- like Texas is going to be one of the, probably the most experienced team I'd say. Yeah. Like, yeah. i have to look back at tech, maybe um, tech this year, but I mean, they're, they're losing um, Vivian Gray, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be weird to see Texas kind of being, you know, in their second year under Gary Blair or under Vic Schaefer that, um, they're going to be the most experienced team probably in the state. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, trying to think rice loses a good amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Texas gets a good amount back, but I don't know how old they are per se. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, great year from A&M and end up going 25 and three 13 and one in conference. Mm-hmm. Um, really good year from Gabe, um, from gary blair again and i'm interested to see how they do moving forward so definitely last team that is was still playing in march as of this past weekend was rice who ended up winning the nit comfortably comfortably Mm. comfortably uh first round arizona state beat them by 12 uh second round fresno state beat them by 14 third round california baptist beat them by 24 uh, semis they beat Delaware by 10 and in the championship they beat Ole Miss by 13 so not a game in single digits uh great run from a real from a great Rice team I'm comfortable mm-hmm. saying this is a really great it's a great Rice team that ended up going 24 and 3 overall and 12 and 2 in Conference You say and uh end up barely losing to Middle Tennessee in the Conference Championship game but um yeah really good win from, yeah. from Rice
1: definitely it was it was kind of a a bittersweet a tournament from them because you know they obviously run through the nit and it's always great to hang hardware but damn i would have loved to have seen this team in the tournament like yeah. <laughs> like the fact that they ran through you know you mentioned it no games in single digits they looked they were in control every single game it's just like oh i would have loved to have seen this team in the tournament because they deserve to be this team was really <laughs> good Um, Two, three, basically three years running now, uh, especially the last two years, Um, elite elite talent. um, This is probably presumably Nancy Mulkey's final, final game, Uh, just one of the most underrated defensive players in the country the past couple years. I know everybody in Conference USA is glad that she's gone. (laughs) Yeah, Not underrated in Conference USA. Conference USA is tired of her. Right. They're like, no, absolutely not underrated. They're they're tired of not getting any points in the paint. Guess how many blocks
0: Nancy Mulkey had in the championship game. I don't know how many. Seven. (laughs)
1: Like, all right. That's how you do it. That's how you close out a a, career right there. Oh, it's unfair, man. It's unfair. But she's so good. Um, And so, yeah, she's probably gone – um, I, I want to say this is, this is pure speculation, right? I want to say ahead. there's a chance Sydney Wiggins comes back because, you know, they the players that are most likely to come back are obviously the ones that aren't, don't have a much of a pro career, right. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. that's in WNBA or overseas. Um, but also the players that didn't quite achieve what they wanted to achieve. And mm-hmm. I think in Sydney Wiggins case, you have somebody who's probably not going to get a pro look, and also, Rice missed the tournament. Yeah. And, you know, Nancy Mulkey's obviously a huge loss. And so the, the team's going to look very different next year without her in the post, um, defending the post. But they bring a lot. They bring everybody else back. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if that's in Sidney Wiggins' mind where it's like, you know what? Here's a chance to potentially run it back, win Conference USA with Lauren Schwartz, with these other players, the younger players that have really stepped up to be the the, the new faces since uh, Ogumike left and now Mulkey left. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious. I, it would not stun me to see Sydney Wiggins return. She could, she could be, you know, she could graduate and she should, you know, she should, uh, she could have her, her life set ahead of her too. So that's a possibility. But, yeah, sure. and if that happens, they're still in good hands because like, you, like I mentioned with Lauren Schwartz, Jasmine Smith, like these are players who, have become the new phase of rice um after the agumake multi teams yep
0: i don't have anything else on rice uh great season from them wish they would have mm-hmm. gotten the tournament um yeah. but you know can't always i mean in this setting of uh mid-major type basketball here sometimes it doesn't roll your way no matter how yep. great you are um but i'm very interested to see how they do moving forward i know like you said, conference USA is uh kind of breathing a sigh of relief that Mulkey's gone now. Um, but it, it'll be interesting unless to see how they're able to rebuild in a sense, and if players are able to come back and however they do that. So,
1: yeah, we'll have a bunch. Of, well, we'll probably have a. I mean, we'll keep the obviously after the season, we'll have the, we'll still keep the show going, and you know, every week we'll probably have a new player is coming back, and so that'll change our perception of you know whatever team that announces. Um, it's going to be really fascinating because. It, 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 I think it's going to be the wild west because like you're going to have players coming back and have players coming back, but transferring because, you know, mm-hmm. they want to, but coaches are kind of kind of show them the door lightly, maybe to probably bring <laughs> in some fresh faces and they're going to want new opportunities too. So yeah. it's gonna, good. It, I think it's going to be the wild west when it comes to transfers this year. This is going to be really
0: interesting. I agree. Awesome. I agree. I mean, football, women's basketball, men's basketball, I, I, every sport is just going to be open it up. Here yeah. we go. Here <laughs> open we the go. market let's go yep here we go well anyways um that's all we have for y'all today uh hope you enjoyed the second best podcast we've ever done um <laughs> and again shout out to justin uh for for helping us out and check out his stuff on dc uh, texasbasketball.com uh follow him on twitter as well and follow ish on twitter at ishmael r johnson follow me on twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore And yeah, subscribe on Apple and leave us a five-star rating review. Just scroll down there and press the little five stars and that's all you got to do. So thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later.